Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. If you're wanting to get organized on your finances or your wealth, this is a podcast you don't want to miss. Uh, it, kind of special to me. I use a certain software and help my clients uh, with, a, with a company called Asset Map. And it's a way to digitize in a very simple one-page diagram someone's financial plan. It's not a massive report. It's easy to read. It is easy to talk with spouses about a wealth and have an engaging conversation, even when one spouse possibly isn't even that interested in it. It makes things a lot easier and it makes things easy to see gaps. It makes things easy to plan for opportunities and uh, prioritize what you should be doing. And so I've interviewed today Adam Holt, who is the CEO of, of Asset Map, who he also uh, used to be in for, a, I'll say, 20 years, was a financial advisor in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And has serviced, you know, high net worth clients, built a massive block of business and uh, has now transitioned into this software program, which I use. So I was able to get him on the podcast. He has his own podcast as well, which uh, you'll hear about and you see in the show notes. So I introduce to you Adam Holt, founder and creator of Asset Map. All right, Adam, I wish I would have hit pre-record or there was a pre-record where I could go back and record what we've talked about uh, before because it was so good. But we are going to get into it today. We're talking about business owners so focused on their own plan, great at running, growing, operating their own businesses. But sometimes some business owners tend to underplan. You are uh, seeing different things in the USA uh, from a high net worth business owner space. And, uh, you know, I would love to unpack what trends you see right now. And I, we got all sorts of stuff we're going to talk about. But thank you very much for being on the show today. Uh, thanks for having me, Dustin. It's always great to see you. Uh, so what are you seeing? So again, think about the audience, 27 to 47 or 50 years old, mm -hmm. those people in the States right now, what in the successful business owner space, what is on their minds right now? Is it, is it what we see in the news or in the planning that you and the, you know, the principals of the firm are doing? What's the sentiment? Yeah. Well, I don't know that it's that much different than everybody else. Uh, you know, you know, there's there are senior generations. Uh, what is consistent though about business owners, especially those that are entrepreneurial, and that could include you and I, right? I mean, we are effectively entrepreneurs. We've created businesses, maybe too many businesses. Is that you? It's a passion for work and delivery that you want to get behind that you can own. And I think a lot of us, if you're a business owner, you can relate to this. What I have seen, though, Dustin, is that there are a great number of individuals who now view themselves as entrepreneurs, have been able to put out a shingle, start a business, whether they're successful yet or not. The attitude is one, someone who's really passionate about an idea and a concept, and they think they can monetize it. I say think because, unfortunately, we have seen not, some not work out. And the reason I say that with respect to financial advice is the following. The tendency has been somebody who's focused on their business is hyper-focused on their business. They think about the revenue they need to generate, their marketing, their brand. They think about their product. If they have special expertise on, let's say, 
an engineering product, like they built technology or they built some product, they're hyper excited about it, working 10, 15, 20 hours a day, especially in the early days. As they have some level of success, they start to bring in other people. Maybe they get a little time back. But what, they, what you find as a financial advisor, we see this in the States, we see this in Asia, we see it in South Africa, where we're now, that a business owner puts a lot of eggs in that basket. And the reason is, as you know well, is because you're passionate about it. You control it. You're living it every day. It's easier to make an investment of time and money into your business because you know what the returns will be. If you give it to an investment advisor, well, maybe I'll get the S&P, who knows, or I'll get the, the local markets, whatever they might be. So we tend to see an asset map. An asset map, as you know, is the visualization tool to basically figure out what's going on in a financial uh, one's financial life, like a financial x-ray. When we look at those x-rays, we tend to see that business owners are really overweighted towards their focus on the business and they're underweighted to what? To their own families. Isn't that right? Have you seen that yeah. before? Yeah, yeah. So, so what, is, what do we learn from that, right? If, if I were to show you, and I know you do this actually in your practice for your clients, so it's really, it's kind of fun to share that with you because I know you do this. Um, when we were actually to put up a business owner, their personal financial decisions, right? Their income sources, their insurances, their assets, their liabilities, and then put them side by side visually, like two balance sheets with their business. The business has got inventory and people and real estate and deals and property casualty insurances. And right, it's really, really, it's much more robust. And the point about this is this, all of the people that are dependent upon us, if we are blessed to have a family, are really banking on us as business owners to make good financial decisions, right? Yes. And they tend to trust that because mostly the business owners tend to be we'll call it dominant in making financial decisions. And what we've seen is a real big problem. And I hope that those of you who are business owners hear this because there are other people dependent upon you. And what we tend to see is that that hyper, uh, we'll call it overweight towards business and business decisions and assets in the business and the lack of protections, insurance protections, succession plans, legal documents, the same kind of vigor that we put into our business contracts are not put into our personal financial decisions. And we leave these people in a lurch if, God forbid, we're not here. So the first thing that I find for a business owner is that they have to address the fact that a lot is on their shoulders. Sometimes people can't realize that until they see it on a screen or on a piece of paper. And the best moment, as you know well, is to show that to the parties of the family, my spouse, the people depend upon me, and they can see it plain as day, by the way. Can you imagine that? No. Well, it seems so. It seems uh, fairly basic. Uh, so, is it a time thing? Is it you think the business owners? It, it's not been made a priority, or it's not been delivered in a way until now with with what we've got going on with asset map. You know, that's a good question because I, I tend to think of that same argument. We know what to do. We don't do what we know in general, right? I know I probably need to work out more, but I don't. I know I probably need to uh, send flowers more, but I don't. We tend to do it when something hits the fan, right? When there's a little bit of, there's a life moment that says, hey, wake, wake up, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we jump into gear. I think because typically financial planning and guidance has been intimidating or aggravating or, oh, it's a lot of work. I got to get all my statements together. I don't know where half this stuff is. 
most people will say, hey, what can I do right now to, to, to drive my business or my agenda? And that's easier. And then by the end of the day, when they probably have time to take care of their personal finances, they're like, hmm, Netflix looks a lot more appealing than this spreadsheet. <laughs> and so they don't get to it, right? And they're, yeah. they're like, they want to almost, you know, just check out and not work. And I think for a business owner who's always working, it's not, I don't feel that the most business owners are empowered. So what you've done with Asset Map is make it just easier, right? Can we in 15 minutes collect some high-level data and build a financial x-ray so we have something to talk about? I, I think where most consumers of financial advice really are lacking is they don't have a resource that can look at their financial life very quickly and without judgment and tell them the types of things that their peers are doing it. You have worked with business owners for years. So you, you know the decisions that they need to make. The consumers don't know what questions to ask to get that information from you. And so in many ways, we need to give them a visualization to say, okay, here's your life on one page. Here's where what your peers are doing. Here's where it would fit. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Thanks, Dustin. That, that's, sometimes we need it to be Fisher Price like that, like Crayola crayons. Yeah. So in the, the asset map story, and again, we used to use, you know, something called the financial dashboard and I used to mm. do it manually. And now, you know, with, with your software it is a lot easier. We're getting the results. Uh, well, clients are getting results. Where did it come from? Mm. Like, was this software first or did you draw this on a piece of paper or like what <laughs> client scenario led to you creating this asset map company? I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, the funny part about it is that I was a, I call myself a recovering financial advisor for the last 24 years. I built a big practice, was part with it with the partners uh, in Philadelphia in the States. It was an asset management, insurance, and financial planning shop. We worked with very high net worth people, mostly people who had created a lot of success in businesses and real estate. And that's really where most of the wealth comes from. And then, of course, they, they give it to next generations, and that kind of perpetuates itself. That's where most of that wealth, and of course, professionals. So you can imagine we're working with people who have complexity. The biggest challenge we dealt with, Dustin, was how do you help somebody when it's so complicated, you don't know where to start? There's so many skills that we have acquired over the years and experiences and team members from legal, tax, insurance, investment, banking property casualty. We have expertise from the most basic to the very complex cases. And so for our wealthy families, they're dealing with all these problems. They need guidance holistically, right? They don't just want to know about investments and then ignore the tax, right? So for us, we needed a way to understand the family really quickly. And so we started doing what you did, which is we would draw it out by hand. And what happened actually in, I remember, get this, it was 2004, I drew this out for a family. It was a high net worth family. I remember driving three hours to go visit them because back then we did that. Um, we actually visit our clients in their kitchen, right? <laughs> and I don't know why he didn't drive to me. I, well, three hour drive. He's paying me. So I drove. I go there. I bring my 500 page research report on the investments, on the insurances, all the stuff. And I took my drawing and of course, during the entire meeting, I'm just drawing on my drawing. I'm like adding notes. I'm telling, I'm drawing for myself. I got to move this from here to here. I got to add this here. We got to cut this. I got to move this to the kids. All the administrative agenda stuff, right? And of course, you know what he does? He, he reached over, he grabbed a piece of paper from me because clients did that back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is this? 
I said, well, this is what I use to manage my life, my, your life through my eyes. And he says, okay, next time you come here, don't you dare bring these 500 pages. Cause I'm not reading this. You're just creating clutter for me. Bring yeah. me this. I'm going to share this with my spouse. Now she's going to thank me for it because you've made our life simple. And I said, wow, that's true. They need it too. And, you know, you can imagine how that evolution kind of went on until eventually we built a technology because we had so much demand there. The, the amazing, the number of people who really don't know what financial instruments they have in their life and also can't communicate it to anybody else besides themselves. Okay. So, right. right isn't that true? We, yeah. I mean, I can ask you, just can you just list off for me all the financial stuff you have? You'll try to recall the stuff at top of mind. You'll forget five or six things, by the way. You just, you just, and I'll have to remind you, oh, yeah, that's right. You do have that. Yeah. If I had that catalog in a way that not only I could bring it up and we could say, hey, do these things fit? But I can now go to someone else, like in your family, and say, hey, by the way, here's where everything is. They're, they're going to have an eye-opening experience. And that's really valuable. Can you imagine where would that be valuable? Do you think? Well, now midterm, long term, next generation, just yeah, has the limit. Well, absolutely. So what are what are like? So you have a database of all these moving parts of people's life, and you know everything from life insurance to investments to. Right now, you just launched a new thing, mm. Signals. And that, as a user of the software, is very exciting. You have this, I don't want to steal your thunder. You tell us, as, as the creator of it, what is the premise behind Signals? So, you know, it's really funny. I think all of us can relate to this. I was, I was um, driving a uh, four-hour drive. Here's another driving story. And nobody drives anymore. Maybe they do again. Everybody well, staying stuck at home on Zoom. Um, I was going to speak at, a, at an event about 10 years ago. And I got this call from the CEO of the company that was asking me to speak. Okay. And he said, Adam, do me a favor. Can you change it up? I want you to talk about something different than financial organization and why it's important to know where your stuff is. And so, well, okay. But you know, that, that's what I talk about. Like when I'm, I'm going to talk about something different on my way to your event. Okay. So on this four-hour drive, I had to come up with something new to make him happy. And all I could think of as I was driving to this place I'd never been before, I was driving deep into Pennsylvania. And if you've ever been deep in Pennsylvania, you could be in the, in the woods. Like nobody would miss you. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, I don't know where I'm going to this retreat. And I said, gosh, what happens if I get a flat tire or if I hit traffic? Or, right? So I was going through this process of why I'm not going to arrive on time. And I realized, gosh, you know, isn't this the same thing on the financial planning journey? And fast forward, I said, you know, what, what really I, we rely upon in our tools is feedback. If my car all of a sudden said, hey, engine pressure or engine lights going on, tire pressure is low. That would have been given me a signal to say, okay, look for a gas station. Maybe I need to pull over. And I could be proactive in fixing it before it was cataclysmic. Okay. Right. And I said, gosh, you know, the same thing is true in life. And I came up with these six, six events that typically disrupt all our good planning. Are you ready for them? You might want to write them down if you're listening. Okay. So here's the six events that typically disrupt all of our good planning. They all start with the letter L and I'm just going to share them with your audience. Okay. Great. 
what's the family plan to deal with the following six events that will disrupt all our plans? Number one, liquidity. We have to write a big check that's outside of our normal expenses. Do we have the money? Where are we going to get it? Tell me, what, run that fire drill with me. Just tell me how we're going to do it. You have a plan. I'm happy. If you don't have a plan, I'm going to fix it. Okay. Number two, if we have a long-term disability or some form of critical illness, what are we doing? Tell me what we're going to do. How are we going to pay the bills? And I ask our families, we, we basically turn this into a framework called the financial fire drills that ask a family who works with us every single year at our annual review, run the fire drill with me, just like our kids run the fire drill when they leave the school in an orderly fashion, they find the exit, they go back to school. Okay. That's much more calm way to learn how you're going to handle panic than waiting to the moment the fire in the house is burning down. That's not when you want to learn how to get out of the house. So the key is, is that if you had a, a disability event, number two, What's the plan? Number three, if you had a loss of life scenario, what's the family doing? Walk me through it. What are you going to do? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? Where's the money coming from? How are we paying the bills? Do we have to pay off the education? Most people don't actually have a plan because they never walk through it. They just to say, hey, my employer gives me some life insurance. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? I don't know. Does anybody know how to get it? How would we actually call the employer? <laughs> so the point is that we've never actually walked through the process. So it's always new to us when we have it. And it's not the time to go through the process for the first time mentally is when the event happens. That's called panic, okay? Number four is long-term care. What are we doing if we have an event, a long-term care event, or our parents have a long-term care event? Are we responsible now? Number five is longevity. I live too long. What am I gonna do if I have to break the piggy bank, sell the house, do a reverse mortgage? Do I have enough guaranteed income or resources available to make sure if I live a long time, I'm not in a poor house? or living on the street, or living with my kids, even worse. And number six, what are their legal and legal liabilities? In other words, if we have a legal attack, or if I, have, if I don't have my legal documents in order, is everybody going to be cursing my name at my funeral and saying, nobody can figure out where anything is, and we're all fighting? That's not when you want to run through that, that drill. So what are, I'll just repeat them. Liquidity, long-term disability, loss of life, long-term care, longevity, and legal liabilities and those are key. Now, what does that have to do with your question? We just turned all of those into an algorithm and we embedded them inside of our asset map. So now you can create a map of your entire financial life in asset map and will immediately give you those signals, those engine lights for any of those that are red, green, or yellow. And that means, by the way, it doesn't mean that there's a plan. It means that financially, you've got enough resources to cover it. In other words, we have enough gas in the tank if this event happens, that doesn't mean it doesn't need a financial advisor or someone to say, wait a minute, but actually what the steps are, you need to be thoughtful about what we're actually going to do. And that's where an advisor really can help uh, like yourself. And, and I think that's really critical. So the first key is give people feedback that there's a problem. And then let's go figure out whether we're going to prioritize it. Well, it definitely uh, makes life easier. And I think the, the hardest part about financial planning, and you mentioned the 500 page, we only do a hundred page plan. So oh, okay. I, you know, maybe you're good 400 Step up, man. of disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, you, we talk about it offline. People want something fast. They want something digestible and the signals and the, and the, the, the asset map, the visual is real time. So every mm -hmm. Time we do a review meeting, it gets updated. It's not an old one. It's not redrawn and pinned mm -hmm. because that 500 page plan, as soon as it's done, is actually wrong because yeah. a couple months goes by, different things happen, different goals. 
so thank you, you know, publicly uh, sharing my appreciation for, for using the software. Um, have you seen any other things in the, in using the asset map technology to, to make people's life, like you got a story of, I know you've sat in on meetings, wealthy family, uh, succession planning and transition mm. planning with talking, you know, the previous podcast I just did was like, do you show your will to your kids? Mm. And, you know, do you think someone should show their asset map to their kids? Mm-hmm. And, and have you guys done those joint meetings and, and how did it go? There's a couple ideas I would throw out. Um, I have in our practice, we were lucky enough to have a couple Forbes families, which basically means they're worth several billion dollars, right? These, when you when you deal with these kinds of people, you're not obviously talking about uh, whether they can retire, right? right. It, it's interesting to see how their their concerns change. It's not to say that they should have no worries, which because we all know there's no matter how rich you are, you have worries, all right? Yeah. Your worries change. They change down to structural. Do I have the right protections? Because now everybody wants to take it from me, all right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the government or whether it's other people or whether it's my kid's ex-wife, whatever it might be, it, it's there are, you, you get very protective. And so they care about legal structure. They also care about taxes because you know small leakage costs millions of dollars. And so they tend to be more specific on structure and tax. And the reason why that's important is because if you want to think like a billionaire, do the things that a billionaire focuses on, okay? If you want to think like somebody who doesn't have any resources and you're desperate and anxious all the time, you're going to get, you kind of get what you think about all the time, right? You know this from mindset standpoint. Yeah. So why that matters is because for the Forbes families that we had, it was really fun to see how they would bring their super high-end Goldman Sachs guys. That's, that's not disparaging to Goldman. Okay, great firm. But they would come in because they manage the money. They have three people in their beautiful suits and their gold-bound books. They drop them on the on the table. We would show up as the financial planners. We would show up with our asset map. One page, maybe two pages because it got complicated. And we gave one to everybody, even the Goldman people. They got one. Um, and we would spend the entire time talking about the map and structure and where certain things are and whether they serve them, why they were there. And what was really interesting is that both parties, if it was a two-person family, somebody who's clearly made the money and somebody who married the money, um, and they didn't have as much insight. They found it great that they knew that there was this much money here and this much money for the kids, and this was in trust, and this was going to charity. And it gave them a sense of certainty that they knew they were going to be okay because they were brought into the table in, non, in a non-technical way, right? Not overwhelmed or intimidated by the jargon that that gets thrown around in these rooms. And the funny thing is, and why I tell you this story is because the big gold bound books never got opened. They didn't care how much Apple stock they had or whether they invested in a triple A or a double A rated bond. Like that's not their question. They trusted their advisors to make those decisions because that's why they paid them a lot. Yeah. My, my point in saying that is that what's been um, consistent across culture, age, wealth, gender, non-gender is that we all have a desire to understand what's going on in our life very quickly. Like where, where's our inventory? What's in our backpack? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's been the real insight. I think we've seen from asset map is that that is that just, that just kind of crosses all barriers, knowing what we've got, whether it's two things or 200 things, 
is important. Now, what is it? Where is it? Who controls it? Where is it located? That's good enough. Okay. I'm not, all right. I'm going to go back to what I was doing. What I think is, is kind of interesting about this and where it may go is we have seen, by looking at the data that you mentioned, a significant amount of, we'll call it failures. Right. When, when we have, we have over $1.4 trillion mapped. In other words, we know where that is down yeah. to the person and so forth. And in, right. You see lots of popular things like things that everybody knows, like they save into their RSS, they got their you know, bank account, they got a, maybe insurance policy. But in general, most families are undersaved, even the wealthier ones, undersaved, underinsured, not focusing on a goal. And I think there's a huge opportunity. So for those of us that are listening and thinking about it, it's probably an opportunity to come together, go through this process and just, you know, get your stuff all in order and share it. The second piece that you, that you brought up, we promoted this idea of a family meeting. Once every five years, we would have our clients that tended to be, you know, have some level of means. We would bring their kids, their adult children to a meeting with us as financial professionals. And we would run through, we'd get permission to show the asset map, put it up on the big screen and say, listen, it's not important that you understand all the complexity we've, we've have here. What's important for you to know is that somebody is on top of this. We know where mom and dad have put certain things. They've, they've empowered me to share with you that when the time is right, they will give you a version or a copy of this. Okay. So that you're not going to be lost when the eventuality of your need to you know, get more involved is here. When is that going to happen? When they get sick and older or they leave us, you're going to have to get involved. And so by doing so, we did a couple of things. We, we demystified the idea that mom and dad are going to be okay financially. Okay. That was really important because most second generations of our clients, they're wondering like, are my, are my parents okay? Like, do I have to worry about them? Cause that's, hasn't that, that shifted. Once you're an adult, you start caring for kids. You're like, oh boy, I'm going to be sandwiched here between my parents and a lot of people don't know because the parents haven't told them they've got money or they've got enough means or they don't have money and they need, they're going to need to step up. You don't want to find that out all of a sudden when you get a call, right? So yeah. by doing so, we did a couple of things. Number one, we created more harmony within the family and we took the, we took the role of basically being the guide and the advocate. So it didn't get personal. It was a, mm -hmm. this is good business. Okay. Here's where everything is. We have it. If you need it we can trigger an event where we can get you access to everything mom and dad have through their asset map. But it also then brought them into the fold and said, Hey, you know what? I want this for myself. So the interesting thing about it is that we, most of our clients have multi-generational um, roles. We have the parents, the clients, and if, and when the kids are adults, uh, we get them as well. And so we actually help the family in a, you know, all the generations in a row. And that's really fun, man, because Guess the impact that we can have across two or three generations um, of making good financial decisions. We wind up, you know, economically, we wind up saving them tens of thousands in taxes, sometimes more, right. and also yeah. investment performance and behavioral management and diligence and hitting their milestones is really, really cool. It's really cool. So you you've seen this now for a while. You worked at a successful firm where you you know have led you know a team and led clients. Like in your own, are you're, I would guess, like similar to me, late 30s, early 40s? Are we, are we well, close? I just looked that well. I'm late 40s. <laughs> so, 
what do you, like, what is your, what is your (laughs) program? Like you've seen the best of the best. You've seen the worst of the worst. What, what right now stage, you know, you've obviously, you know, you kept some, maybe some clients or you do some work, but you're really focused on the software and you've restarted. You were, you had the easy streak. You had the, you had the firm. (laughs) Is that right? uh, (laughs) It was all easy, man. Well, I see your website, you know, the website's got the older guys, you know, they're also principals. I assume they've been around for a long time and then there's the young guys and, you know, so, sure. but you didn't do that or you're not doing that where you're, you're doing a hybrid. Uh-huh. So is this what you envisioned the 20 year old Adam envisioned this as the path? Well, I've always been kind of, I got, I got two questions in there, but. We'll oh, just... there was, well, I don't know. I don't know how many questions I heard. I heard, the like, only thing I remember. like a shotgun. Yeah. That's right. Only thing I remember is that I look like I'm in my early forties, which I just, you know, I'm still stuck on that one. So I, I'm. Yeah. Happy. Well, there you go. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm happily um, married. Just so I'm you not. know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The distance would probably, you know. Really, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> that's too funny. Um. I've always been a, uh, I got the, I get the benefit of having really good mentors early and as a business owner, for those that can relate and professional, just normal human. Okay. Knowing about what you focus on is really important, especially early on when those years matter. And you tend not to realize this till later on in life. And you're like, ah, oh, I just wasted the last 10. So I had, I had started coaching since I was 17 years old and getting, getting coached. Uh, performance coaching because it was in my family and so forth. So I got the, the benefit of that. And one of the things that was critical is getting mentors. And I had uh, in my early twenties, I was blessed enough to have the two mentors that became my business partners down the line. Uh, and so when it was time to succeed the firm and them to kind of uh, do less and me to step up, I was in the right position. I had spent several years carrying their bags. I had invented asset map. I had a lot of success on my own as an advisor so I had proved that I could be a young uh, successor. And so I did that in my 30s. And the asset map project kind of took off in such a way where I was forced to bring in the next generation of youth to take over from where I left off. And thank goodness I had great partners there. So we have a really, really cool team. We all like each other a lot. We, we kind of think of ourselves as family, uh, my surrogate fathers that were my mentors. So I had the blessing of that. And they accelerated my career 10 years alone, Right. So in a sense, I, I got this kind of momentum because I had the right people around me. And I know any of you can relate to this, right? A, a single a relationship can sometimes catapult uh, your progress in many ways or also hold you back if it's the wrong person. And I think um, when it came time to using Asset Map, after 20 years of creating success in the practice, one of the things that was really critical, and I know you focus on this for your uh, community and for your clients is how do you live the best life that makes sense for you, given what you know right now and an an uncertain future? Don't know how long we're going to be here, right? So how do we take care of the present, which is the gift, right? That's why it's called, that's why it's called the present. Present. And so the key was how did I create a lifestyle that I would, would appreciate? And my goal was by the time I was 35 was to make a respectable money, work 20 hours a week, take two months of vacation and be home every day at five to five 30 for my child work, uh, work literally from nine to five every day, two days a week and be there the rest of my time for myself. And I had created that by the time I was 35 and I was bored. <laughs> I was bored. Yeah. So I actually created asset map because I was like, yeah, I'll work on this project too. And I, I work 80 hours a week because I want to, not because I have to financially. 
And that was, that was the real kind of awareness that I had. And I have seen, I have seen my clients who have created an enormous amount of wealth and have no life to show for it. They're on their third family. They're always miserable and they're driven by the business idea and it drives their entire ego and experience. And by the way, they can never retire because it's their whole life's meaning. Okay. Yeah. I didn't really want that. And I have seen clients that basically work for another person for years and years and years and can be complained about it and just wait till they get to 65. And guess what happens? Their life is moment is gone. Um, They missed the opportunity. And so I was really aware of that. Someone said it to me recently. Financial planning focuses on the time value of money. What we should be focusing on is the monetary value of time. Think about that. What's the monetary value of your time? And it's a little bit backwards, right? But it makes perfect sense. The time is more valuable than the money, no matter how much you make per hour, because you can't, it's scarce. Mm-hmm. I believe that, this, that in this world, that money is unlimited. We know because the government can print it. <laughs> they can't print me more time unless yeah. they can print a liver. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. coming up. But the point is, is that... <laughs> That maybe will happen to. But right now, based on what we know, I can't print more time. I can't make my calendar a 26-hour calendar or a day, right? So think about that. And that's the thing that I think as financial advisors, I know you've been a real big promoter of this. We have to help our clients recognize that it's not just about having all the money that you need. It's having both the time and the money. Yeah. And so the, the part B of that question, which actually was like point A, was <laughs> you see this stuff you're living your best life. Like, is there any sort of, you don't got to get into the details, but financial mm-hmm. framework that you look at and that you see as an advisor, uh, business, real estate, investments, liquidity. Is there any pie graph? Mm. I, I hate pie graphs, but like okay. pie graph that's like 33% in cash, 33% real estate, X, Y, and stock, and this much in your business. I hate getting asked this question. Um, that's interesting so just, because, <laughs> you know, okay. So as financial advisors, okay, the, the, the series 101 course is asset allocation, right? It's yeah. don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I'll tell you what, if you want to protect your money, if you want to preserve wealth, that's absolutely what you should do. That is the safe, legal, mm-hmm. compliant way to go about not getting sued as a financial advisor. And yet, every single one of my wealthy clients concentrated like crazy. You want to build wealth, you concentrate it. You want to preserve wealth, you diversify it. Now, if you're not the kind of person who can manage the concentration or can't sleep at night, then you should go for preservation, just be a saver. But if you're the kind of person who has the, the ability to take risks and to concentrate, that's how you build financial wealth. By the way, remember, we just said that financial wealth and time wealth, right? Recognizing the present, being grateful, that doesn't cost anything. So let's separate this idea that wealth has anything to do with happiness. If we're talking about financial wealth, okay, and you want to create it because you think it's going to give you happiness, it won't. But if you think it will, and you're still on that path that you got to be wealthy to be happy, then what you really want to do is just make good decisions. And so here's my argument. If you're going to concentrate and take risk, then you absolutely better be putting on seatbelts on your family. Here's what I mean. 
I take a significant amount of risk in my financial life. I can afford it. I like it. I am more empowered by it. I am bored by the other stuff. That being said, I'm also not an idiot. All of my long-term retirement money, I have allocated and invested by someone who is not me. Okay. I actually have a major firm that manages my wealth that I'm not allowed to touch. Okay. Because I could be wrong. Right. And I'm not risking my family's financial freedom because I've decided to be crazy. That being said, 80% of my net worth is tied up in my businesses. Okay. Yeah. So highly concentrated, but of course, worth a significant amount on paper. Yeah. As a result, because I have so much risk, I have an equal amount of my risk capital in life insurance and disability insurance. So if you asked me, Adam, like, what, is your, what does your pie chart look like? You would see 80% of my wealth in businesses, right? Worth, you know, knock on wood a lot. 10 to 20% of my net worth in traditional marketable securities and cash. And an additional 80% bonus on top of that in life insurance. Mm -hmm. In trust, the way that my wealthiest clients do it, because that makes sense on a structural basis. So I've structured my life almost exactly like our Forbes families, because I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like I'm a billionaire. I'm going to just do what they do. Right? I, I couldn't agree more. I think you want to drive, drive, you want to be like a race car driver, drive like a race car driver, but they also make good decisions. They practice and they go through a process every time. Would yeah. you follow what I mean on that? Yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's bang on. I think you, yeah, that could be a whole other podcast on gas and brakes or, you know, I got asked one time at a boat launch, a guy was launching his big new race boat and he said, well, like, well what do you do? And I was just standing there. I said, well, I keep rich people rich. And he goes, oh, okay, I, I get it. And it, what the second part that you're mentioning, if that's you're retired mm -hmm. and you've built wealth, you want to keep it. Yeah. If, if you're growing over diversification, it will give you a watered down, usually experience uh, because the concentration just, just won't be there. So I, again, yeah. I don't want to, we can go there in podcast number two, but I, I really okay. appreciate you being on today, Adam. Okay. I think it's, it's, it's important to get, the listeners uh, a bit of a view into what's going on in the in, in Philadelphia and uh, <laughs> USA and and again I'm a huge advocate of the software so thank you for uh, making my life easier as well with the software and my clients absolutely Dustin it was a pleasure speaking with you spending some time you're welcome talk soon all right cheers buddy if you found this episode valuable share it with a friend if you found this episode super valuable leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S. -S. Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcasts. Thanks for listening.